Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore, to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. As if the torture for Philadelphia 76ers fans couldn't get worse. Sixers fans, particularly those who have been aching for having trusted the process, have to be in a dark place today, or at least going to work with their fingers and anything else they can cross in hopes that the knee injury, MVP candidate and emotional leader Joel Embiid suffered in the first quarter of their Game 4 loss to the Washington Wizards is nothing serious and that he will return to action, if not for Wednesday's Game 5, then sometime before they face the winner of the Knicks-Hawks series in the second round. The extent of the injury should be known by end of the day Tuesday, with Embiid scheduled to get an MRI on that knee. Sixers swingman Danny Green assessed the situation perfectly, stating they have no chance of winning a title without Embiid. But that doesn't mean they're not capable of beating the Wizards in the next game and winning the series. Now, that doesn't mean they will win a title if Embiid is okay. It just means they have no shot without him. Any of you who follow my Twitter feed are probably aware that the combination of the Sixers going up 3-0 in their series with the Wizards and the New York Knicks falling behind 3-1 to the Hawks inspired a whole new swarm of Sixers fans to retweet a post I made on November 21st, 2015. For those unfamiliar with it, this was it. I'm ready to trust the process, the Knicks process. Inducing young talent to, loo- to lose year after year isn't a process, it's negligence. Hashtag 76ers. Much like the geese returning in the spring, whales migrating to the Gulf of Mexico in the winter, and Kyrie Irving getting himself embroiled in a controversy, 
Every time the 76ers have a burst of success and the Knicks don't, Philly fans excitedly trot out that tweet and ask me a variety of choice questions about it. Recently, one asked why I hadn't deleted it by now, to which I responded, Delete it? I've considered reposting it to make it easier to find. I could not be more amused by its popularity six years later, or by seeing it applied to Sixers and NYK teams that have nothing to do with who they were when I wrote that post. But as Perk says, carry on. That's a reference to ESPN analyst and former Celtic Kendrick Perkins, who I generally enjoy admiring the personality he's created for himself, both on air and on social media, expressing a strong opinion on the regular for the most part, though he completely ducked the question when asked on a Celtics postgame show about Kyrie potentially inspiring the Boston fan who threw a bottle at him after the Nets beat the Celtics in Game 4 at TD Garden for a 3-1 lead in that series. More on that at the end of this episode. It's actually only been five and a half years since that original post, but I meant every other word in my reply. For those who don't have a vivid memory of what transpired on November 21st, 2015, either in their own lives or the NBA, let me refresh your memory. The Knicks beat the Houston Rockets that day to improve to 8-6, and six, good for 8th place in the Eastern Conference and the 76ers lost to the Miami Heat to extend their string of losses without nary a win to open the season to 14. That's right, they were 0-14. Worst record in the entire league. This, after finishing the previous season 18-64, and the season before that 19-63. They would lose four more games before finally winning their first over the second-worst team in the league, the Los Angeles Lakers at the time. And then they went on another 12-game losing streak before winning their second game over the next-worst Western Conference team, the Phoenix Suns. My point wasn't so much that I thought the Knicks had cracked the code and were going to climb out of their own doldrums, as much as I appreciated that they were trying to build a winning team and a winning culture. Whereas the Sixers clearly were not, which offended me. I'd covered the Golden State Warriors when they tanked to get Chris Webber, although Don Nelson at least had the decency to wait until the last third of the season to start throwing games in order to better position the team in the lottery. Nelly lied about what he was doing, which also offended me, because at heart I understand the strategy of deciding that once a season is clearly lost, a team might as well look to improve its chances of being better the following season. The Sixers weren't doing that. They started the season committed to losing every game possible for the third season in a row. Then GM Sam Hinkie's strategy of gathering as many shots at number one picks as he possibly could. Sam was being lauded by some as a genius for gaming the system. The same way the hedge fund operator Michael Burry manipulated the housing market in the movie The Big Short to make millions of dollars off people losing their houses. To be clear... It was a movie. The movie was called The Big Short. It was a real live thing that Michael Burry did. Anyway, he made millions of dollars off people losing their houses and in some cases life savings. And just as I considered it obscene to cast Burry as a visionary by exploiting the ruin of people who didn't ask to be part of his grand plan to fatten his bank account and drain theirs, 
I thought it was unfair to guys like Isaiah Cannon and Rashawn Holmes and Robert Covington and Nerlens Noel, all relatively new to the league, who were being asked to sacrifice the start of their careers in hopes of a payday later on for Sam and the 76ers that I was certain they would not be around to enjoy. I knew how important experienced veterans could be to helping young players develop, and Sam made sure his team had precious few of those. Elton Brand, the elder statesman, made 17 appearances that season. Sonny Weems was next in seniority. That season would be his last in the NBA. And then there was head coach Brett Brown, who was getting his first crack at being a head coach after a run of success with the San Antonio Spurs. Kick half of a season, or even one season, as the Thunder did this year? Okay. But three years in a row? I'd had enough that particular Sunday afternoon. The league, of course, found it all too much as well. Sam, seeing the writing on the wall, resigned before he could be fired. Sixers' ownership put the stewardship of the team in the hands of the Colangelos, Jerry and his son Brian, and they began taking a more traditional approach to building a winning franchise. Signing tough-minded, competitive veterans like Jared Bayless and Gerald Henderson, Ersan Ilyasova, Marco Bellamelli, and J.J. Redick. Two seasons later, they were a 52-win team and in the playoffs, knocking off the Heat in the first round before losing to the Celtics in the second. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid got their first taste of postseason competition. Would Sam have done the same? Could he have done the same? Highly unlikely. No agents wanted their players to be cannon fodder for whatever Sam was cooking up. And they didn't know what he was planning because he decidedly avoided communicating to anyone about how long the process would take. Nor did he show a particular gift for identifying talent. Yes, he drafted Simmons and Embiid. He also drafted Jaleel Okafor, Noel, Michael Carter-Williams, and Dario Saric with those highly prized lottery picks. Taking Saric just ahead of Zach Levine. Taking Okafor ahead of Kristaps Porzingis and Devin Booker and Miles Turner. And Noel and Michael Carter-Williams ahead of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Dennis Schroeder, Stephen Adams, and Rudy Gobert. Yes, he already had a couple bigs in Embiid and Okafor at that point. But if this was all about just gathering the best assets, wouldn't it have made sense to take the best talent, regardless of fit, to better barter down the line? Besides... He still took Noel with Embiid and Okafor already in the fold. I don't want to rehash the entire process. The point is, all that purposeful losing and collecting of assets and trading away players for more future picks wasn't just to build a competitive team, a perennial playoff team, not even a best record in the regular season team. It was supposed to build a team that brought to Philadelphia what it has not enjoyed since the 80s, a championship. Five years, two GMs, and one head coach later, it has not delivered. All of that losing resulted in a nucleus of Embiid and Simmons, a center who has struggled with injuries, which is no surprise to anyone who saw his medical reports when he was drafted, and a point guard who has refused to develop a jump shot and was successfully subjected to the hack-a-bend strategy by Wizards coach Scotty Brooks to win Game 4 and avoid a sweep. And while Embiid was an MVP candidate this year, and Ben has become a perennial Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and is, has won to his name, the Sixers had the best record in the East in large part because they have the third highest payroll in the league, 
And they have that because it took a max contract to keep Tobias Harris, considered their go-to option with a game on the line. He wasn't part of the process. Neither was Seth Curry, Dwight Howard, Danny Green, or Matisse Thibel, none of whom were acquired via the assets collected by the process. So, yes, I'm amused by my tweet five and a half years ago being waved in my face once again because the Sixers have a 3-1 lead in a first-round series and the Knicks are down 3-1 in theirs. A Knicks team that didn't purposely lose three years in a row, though. A Knicks team with the lowest payroll in the league and with the most cap space currently for next season. Am I confident they will build a championship team or that the Knicks will win a title before the Sixers do? Not at all. That wasn't my point. Then or now. As I see it, the Sixers fans who pledged allegiance to the process have one of two choices. Except that Sam never got the chance to execute his grand plan, as I do. Never even got to start the rebuild of his teardown. And so, what the process might have achieved will always be unknown. Or, they can take solace in the fact that at least it wasn't a total waste. That a couple of worthwhile pieces were salvaged. Flawed and fragile as they might be. That could one day, with enough money and other talent, result in a championship. What they can't do, no matter how hard they try, is suggest that because of who the 76ers are right now, it is proof that the process worked. Because this team neither has delivered on what was promised, nor is a direct result of Sam Hinkie's work. And they better pray like hell Embiid's injury doesn't cut short yet another one of his seasons, or worse. Because without him, there is no championship coming to Philadelphia anytime soon. That might mean a lot less reposting of my tweet back on November 21st, 2015, which would mean a little less amusement for me. Here's hoping Embiid is okay, and this Sixers team does something extraordinary. It would be way more fun for all of us, no? Okay. Before I go, I just want to touch on the Kyrie Irving saga in Boston with... Kyrie grinding his foot into the eye of the Celtics leprechaun logo at center court, followed by the fan throwing a plastic bottle of water at him from somewhere midway up the lower bowl, as far as I could tell. An inexcusable act, to be sure. But I'll answer the question Perk refused to answer. Kyrie had his part in it happening. He spent enough time in Boston to know there is a faction of their fans that are rabid. He came to town essentially chastising them in advance of the games in Boston in the series for having the potential to say something racist. To be clear, there are racists in Boston. There are racist Celtic fans in Boston. I spent enough time there and heard enough players from Bill Russell to Kevin Garnett share enough of their firsthand experiences to believe otherwise. And those are guys who starred for the home team. But what Kyrie did on the court was essentially poking the bear twice over, daring it to come after him. We're in a day and age when it seems the lunatic fringe has been emboldened more than ever before to act out. So if you know someone is capable of doing something stupid, does it make sense to see if you can incite them to do it? And do you really want to risk that 
when winning a championship is or should be first and foremost what you're trying to accomplish? How does insulting the opposing fans contribute to that cause? All right. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We are potentially looking at the best day of playoff basketball this week with two Game 5s, Portland at Denver and the Lakers at the Phoenix Suns. Both of those series tied at two apiece. And questions, certainly, about the Lakers and who will be going for them. Anthony Davis and Contavious Caldwell-Pope being two major question marks. I'll be shocked if somehow, some way, those games are not part of the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.